Hello, and welcome to the Macaw Family Podcast. I am Stephanie, here today with a very special guest, Mikhail! Mikhail's here. (laughs) Now, usually I reserve you for, like, the haunted episodes and paranormal, but today I thought you'd have some interesting input on a topic we'll be talking about. Any idea? Murder! Or accused of somebody getting murdered. What? You don't know what I'm... Did you hear what I... No, you, like, told me some of it, like, the kid was accused, but he didn't really do it. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) So, I thought it would be an interesting uh, topic for you to have input on. So, before we get into the episode, I want to cite my sources for all the information. I have, um, I listened to a few podcasts to get different perspectives on the story, um, also, the articles I used were themorningjournal.com, abcnews.go.com, postgazette.com, and theinnocenceproject.org. So, there's a very specific reason I have you sitting here with me today, because I think you can give myself and the listeners some good input. Do you remember when you were 11? Yes. What did you think? Like, can you remember lots of stuff? What did you like to do when you were 11? Um... Play my Xbox, go outside yeah. in the summer, play with trucks. Um, hmm. Hated doing school. Okay, Still but hate like, that. like your hobbies would be like going oh. outside, Playing building video forts, games. building forts, stuff like that. Yeah. So basically, normal eleven-year-old boy stuff. Pretty much, yeah. So I want everybody to remember listening to this that Mikhail's only twelve, so eleven was last year. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that. I'm almost 13, though. <laughs> almost. Wampum, Pennsylvania is a very small town in Pennsylvania. Wampum. As... Wampum. Wampum. As of 2010, the population was only 717 people. Yeah. 717. So when I say small... 700? Like 717? Yeah. That's very, very, very tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1.3 square miles. 1.3? 1.3 square miles. That'd be like... Tiny? Yeah, that'd be like not even a quarter of Wish Chart, because I've looked on Google Earth. Wish Chart? We live a mile and a half down Wish Chart Road. I know, but like... In be- so, but a, a square mile is... Yeah, that did it. Like, between all this and, like, the people that are that way. Yeah. Um, they... It's like a square... 1.5 square miles. Okay. So basically, which Road? Yeah. Okay. Kenzie Hoke was 26 years old and eight months pregnant with her third child. This would be her first with fiance Chris Brown, though. Not the singer. <laughs> Chris Brown? Yes. Kenzie and Chris have known each other since they were teenagers. It took them a few years, but they finally got together. And they when they reconnected, they were planning on getting married after the baby boy Christopher, who was named after his dad, was born. Everyone seemed to be living happily as one big family. Chris had a son from a previous relationship, an 11-year-old boy named Jordan. Jordan had begun to call Kenzie mom since he had no real relationship with his birth mother. He looked at Kenzie as sort of a surrogate mom, kind of like how you look at me. Yeah. Jordan and his stepsisters also got along, Janessa, who was seven, and Adeline, who was four. Now, I'm sure everything wasn't, like, perfect all the time. Yeah. People fight. This, you know, life isn't perfect. Yeah. 
But for the most part, everything was fine. You know, good. Yeah. In preparation for the new baby, Kenzie and Chris were switching rooms with Jordan. Jordan's room had a smaller room, like, attached to it, so they moved around so that room attached could be, like, a nursery. So, like, a big closet, kind of. February 20th, 2009 changed everything for everyone in that household. Chris was running late for work, and Kenzie asked him if he would just stay home that day. They needed money for the new baby, so he said no. This would be something he would regret for the rest of his life. Any guesses of what happened? Yeah. Murder. Yeah. <laughs> kind of easy to guess. Uh, so Chris left for work around 6.45 thinking about his, you know, that his day was going to be normal. Yeah. Janissa woke up Jordan that morning, his sister, mm-hmm. so they could get ready for school. He had to go to his new bedroom to get his clothes, which was in the room where Kenzie was. So he had to go from upstairs to downstairs to mm-hmm. get his clothes because they had started switching the rooms, but they weren't fully there yet. Yeah. Um. He got dressed and got ready for school. Then Jordan and Janessa went and watched TV on the couch until Kenzie yelled for them that they were going to be late for the bus. Yeah. Yeah, as they were walking out the back door, the bus pulled up, so the kids had to run to the bus. The bus driver waited and watched the kids run to the bus. Jordan made it first. They got on the bus, headed to school, thinking, like Chris, this was just a normal day. They caught the bus at 8.15 a.m. Everything seemed normal. Yes. Okay. Around nine that morning, workers came to the house to do some tree work, tree trimming. So they had tree trim trucks outside. Mm-hmm. Shortly after they got to the house, one of the workers noticed four-year-old Adeline in the doorway of the house crying. She told one of the workers that her mom was hurt or dead. I, like, heard it both ways. The tree worker told her to get a blanket to stay warm sit in the, and sit in the doorway. The tree worker called 911. The police arrived on scene shortly after. The police initially thought maybe she had some kind of medical emergency, like a hemorrhage in the brain, kind of like where you just drop dead. Wow. Yeah. They say they didn't touch or move her. They weren't aware that something else happened until the coroner arrived. So here I'm going to jump in and say, first of all, how did they know she was dead if they didn't touch her? You wouldn't. Like, you would have to check for the pulse. Right. They trained to do that, I thought. Check for so remember when we're talking about this, this town of with police don't touch anything <laughs> has seven hundred and seventeen people. So remember that, oh, right? This seems odd. The first ever murder. It wasn't the no, but it seems odd that the first people on scene wouldn't touch her. Right? Just seems yeah. weird. So Pennsylvania State Police Corporal Jeffrey Martin, who is now retired, was one of the first people on scene. He said, "I was standing at the edge of the doorway." And I remember the coroner saying, as he started to touch the body, we have a problem. And that's when I realized that it was a homicide. This is when they determined that Kenzie Hoke was shot in the back of the head. This was a homicide. Wait, wait. Can I make a guess? Mm Mm-hmm. It was her fiancé. No. And that's not a lie, right? No, it's not a lie, no. Okay, I'm not sure. (laughs) In the small town, the police force was not used to something of this magnitude. They didn't get homicides. According to Jeffrey Martin, in his 25 years as a police officer, he only saw one murder. While the police were taking care of the scene, the school called the house looking for Kenzie because Jordan was in the nurse's office because he had a stomach ache. The police informed the nurse about what happened and told them that someone would be there soon to talk to Jordan. They did make sure to tell the school not to say anything. So at this point, the school knows, but Jordan doesn't. 
The police called Chris at his job, which was their fiance, and told him to, he needed to come home. They told him not only was his fiance murdered, their unborn baby had died as well. Because when you mm-hmm. have a baby and your heart stops, it stops oxygen to the baby. Yeah. So unless you can get there and get the baby out quickly, it's they'll die too. Yeah. He collapsed in the yard and was completely, you know, very upset, obviously. The investigators swabbed Chris's hands for gunshot residue and checked his job to make sure that his story matched and he was able to be eliminated as a suspect right away. So he didn't have gunshot residue and he had been at work the whole time. Yeah. And obviously Kenzie talked to the kids after he had left. Yeah. The police went to Mohawk Elementary School to talk to Janessa and Jordan. They never informed them about why they wanted to talk to them. Both That's horrible. Well, they're 11 and 7. I still wouldn't want to know even if you died, like... Yeah. Both Jordan and Janessa said that it was an ordinary day. Nothing strange had happened. Jordan did tell the officers that he did see a black pickup truck near the garage on the property, but didn't think anything of it since the landlord often had people working on the property. This is when uh, the officers kind of went on their way. Chris and Jordan went back to Chris's parents' house, so Jordan's grandparents while Janessa and Adeline went to stay with Kenzie's parents. During this time, the police interviewed them all again, and we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. But we're going to talk about what they found at the house while they were doing the crime scene. So Jordan and Chris were both avid hunters and gun owners, so this 11-year-old had guns. There were multiple guns in the house. Even that past weekend, Jordan and Chris attended a turkey shoot. I have no idea what it is, so don't ask. Can I make a guess? Sure. Like, where it's a, like, certain area where it's fenced off, is like, fenced off, but, like, they didn't, like, just put turkeys there. Like, turkeys are usually around there, and, like, people go there to hunt. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. At least that's what I think it is. I don't know. It's a guesstimate. Yeah. Okay. Guesstimate, whatever that is. Like, you're, you're, it's a guess and an estimate. Oh. Right? <laughs> so, they had multiple weapons in the house. The guns were uh, out, but the ammo was not. The ammo stayed locked up in Chris and Kenzie's room in a safe or a locked gun cabinet, and I'm not quite sure. But either way, the ammo is locked up. In the search of the house, they found a youth 20-gauge shotgun. Youth means it's smaller. So it's either youth or a woman's. Same idea. The police seemed to zero in on that gun in particular. They decided to do a quote-unquote smell test on the gun and determined that it was recently fired. So they smelled it and said, yep, for sure, fired. So before I go any, hold on, you know what? Not yet. I'll ask you in a second. So. (laughs) they take that into evidence, the gun. Among other things, they found a blanket with a hole in it and some blood on the front door jam. Other than that, the house was clean. There was no DNA evidence or anything like that. So we have a smell-tested youth shotgun, blood on the front door, which is a door that everyone in the house say they never use. So everybody uses a back door. It's easier to get to the cars, to the driveway. The front door isn't used by them. And a blanket with some type of hole in it. They took all of this and, in my opinion, started to focus on one person and one person only. Jordan. Accurate. 
Why do you think that is? Because it's a youth shotgun. Mm-hmm. And youth usually means kid. Mm-hmm. And he, they think it because they just think that. So not, do you think that could, what about the girls? Do you think that? They wouldn't think that. No. Yeah. So just immediately, would, they would never think that. They went directly to Jordan. So, let us get to the next, the follow-up interviews with the kids and Chris. For some reason, the interview with Janessa was not recorded in any way. They did not tape record it. They did not video record it until the third or fourth. Is Vanessa the one? Janessa. Janessa. Is that the one that was with um, Jordan? Yep. She's seven years old. They went to school together. That's probably why they didn't. Because she would have known if he had got... If he had shot her. But with the first couple interviews that weren't recorded said that she, nothing happened. The house, it was just a normal day. Everybody did what they had to do. They yeah. left. So, but not sure why they didn't record it, but that is the case. Funny enough, they started to, after they started recording the interviews with her, her story changed. What did she start saying? So it also, it has also said that the police told Kenzie's parents, so Janessa's grandparents, that they believed it was Jordan who did this and gave them information on the case. So they're telling her grandparents, Jordan did this. Here's what we have for information. We're telling you. Um, so... It's weird how her story changed after she's staying with them and has information, you know. Yeah. They are still grieving. Somebody did get murdered. So they want justice. But unfortunately, even at the end of the story, we'll see that they still have one person they think did it. And that's the only person they're ever going to think did it. They trust the police and in this situation, so they may or may not have relayed this information to Janessa. All speculation on my part, but in the trial, we'll see how, what Janessa says, how that's get brought up in trial. In the follow-up interview, the kids had Jordan... In, it, in the follow-up interview, the kids had, comma, Jordan told the police more about the truck. So he saw a black truck, like I said. Yeah. He did say that. He, um... Um, sorry, before he could tell them more about the truck, right when the interview started, they're like, oh, by the way, Kenzie died. He broke down, was inconsolable, crying, crying, crying. They had to wait a while for him to calm down before they could interview him again. So they break the news to him in the middle of an interview. Yeah, he keeps rolling his eyes, listeners. They're dumb. <laughs> he said, um, once he calmed down, he said it, it looked like there was a man maybe in the truck, a white guy with a baseball hat. But they kind of scooched down. They asked him if he touched the guns at all and or took anything out of his pocket on the walk to the bus. He told them he didn't touch the guns and that he reached in his pocket to look for lunch money but found fuzz and dropped that on the ground. Janessa said the same thing in her second interview with the police that nothing out of the ordinary happened but maybe Jordan was moving the guns around the house that morning. In an interview after his one with police, Janessa then stated that she heard a loud boom that sounded like a gun going off, and then Jordan came out of the house after and dropped something out of his pocket. Now, she changed her story multiple times, but she's only seven. 
You know, you gotta remember that. And it's living with people who are being told by the police that Jordan killed her. Yeah. I mean, so, isn't that like, isn't that like, isn't there like a law that you can't do that? Like, you can't, it, like, push it on to people saying that somebody did it without actual full-on evidence. Yeah. That's dumb. But, I mean, she's seven, and Kenzie's parents are upset, and they're being told by the police he did it. Who believes a seven-year-old? But they're, let me say, again, the police told the family that he Jordan did it. Right. They I were sure he that. did it from the beginning. Yeah. The same night of the murder at 3.30 a.m., the police showed up to Chris's parents' house with a warrant. The warrant wasn't for Chris. It was for 11-year-old Jordan. Yep. This arrest came 18 hours after Chris lost his fiancé, his unborn son, and now he's losing his only child, his only other child. That's horrible. In an interview with 2020, Jordan recalls how he felt when this was all going on. Quote, all I remember was they came and got me at three in the morning. They put me in the back of a car and they took me to the police barracks. And I was there. And then they took me straight to county jail. And I had no idea where we were going. I wasn't with anybody. It was just a bunch of strangers dragging me around, unquote. He went to county jail with big people. Does big people mean adults? Up? Yeah, they went. he went to county jail with the adults. Uh, did he get separated from the adults? Yeah. At 11 years old, a fifth grader, Jordan Brown, was arrested and charged with the murder of his soon-to-be stepmom, Kenzie Hoke. Fifth grader? He was in fifth grade. Yep. I, was in, I was in sixth grade when I was 11. Whoa. But birthdays fall differently. Like, I oh, yeah. think I, I was younger when I was, I was one of the younger kids in my class. Because my birthday was in June. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm one of the younger kids. One of the kids is already 14. 14? Yeah. Then he must have stayed back, because 14... Kindergarten, he stayed back. I was say, because 14's <laughs> like 8th grade. Yeah. So, um, there was no place for them to house Jordan, so when he was in county, uh, they had to have officers keeping watch on him at 15-minute intervals. So, somebody would come check in on him at every 15 minutes. Can you imagine being in a jail cell all alone... <laughs> being charged with the murder that you keep telling people you didn't do. You mean, like, I would be charged with your murder? No, I'm just saying, can you imagine at 11 years old being in jail? Nope. Okay. Um, Jordan didn't understand what was going on either. He didn't understand why they were blaming him. Although Jordan was arrested for murder, they never even swabbed his hands for gunshot residue. And in that other podcast that you were listening to, because I was in the car when you listened to one, like, they just checked like once and they only found one tiny particle well let's get to that yes but that wasn't on his hands so they did take his clothes okay you're jumping ahead sorry (laughs) so they did take his clothes it was some the same clothes he'd wore all day at school so would you like to know what evidence they had to arrest jordan yes please okay they had a youth model shotgun that quote-unquote smelled like it had been fired the world of a seven-year-old girl who changed her story multiple times and a shotgun shell next to the family's driveway they claim was in pristine condition. Do you think that's enough to charge somebody with murder? No. Do you think that... Would you like... If you were the police, would you be looking for more evidence? Yes. Okay. Because I'm a smart person. See, right? 
Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that Jordan is like saying that is Jordan knowing this. That is like, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I wouldn't feel comfortable if I was them pinning this on an 11 year old kid. I wouldn't either. Like, yeah, it's an 11 year old kid. What if it was an 11? What if it was a like five year old kid and you no. was still. They said they reasonably believed it was Jordan because he didn't want to move his room and he was jealous of the new baby. That's all they got for it. Yeah. There is someone else who could have done this and the police didn't look into them enough. My opinion. His name is Adam Harvey and he was the ex of Kenzie and the father of her two daughters, or so he thought. At the time of the murder, Kenzie and her family had a protection order against Adam. So it's like a restraining order. We know about those. One more. Yep. Yeah. This was the first name that came to mind when this happened for many people. Adam actually recently threatened family members of Kenzie's just day before this happened, saying that he was going to kill her. Um, Kenzie told people that he threatened to kill her and she was afraid of him. Adam denied this, but the protection order was there. And those are not easy to get, as we know. You have to have proof, like days of proof. Of abuse and threats. So you yeah. you can't just go and get it. No. No. Like, I still don't get how he got one against... Yeah, yeah. No. There was nothing. Yeah, well, that's that's for another. We just, we just know that they're hard to get. Yeah. He would have had to walk past his father. No, he tried to get one. When they brought it to court, it was denied. I thought he, she wasn't allowed to go down there, though, for Until court. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Anyways, he would have had to walk past his father and, um, sorry, I I skipped. (laughs) The police looked into Adam. They pulled him over just miles from Kenzie's house, but he claimed that he was home all night and in the morning. He would have had to walk past his father and his father helped his alibi. Also, he had snow on his truck. Like a flurry of snow. And the, the police said the snow wouldn't have lasted the whole driving back. Also, he claimed he did not know where Kenzie lived. They tested his hands, which was um, hours and hours and hours later, and he didn't have gunshot residue on him. They also found out um, he was paying child support on a kid that turned out not to be his, which is the youngest one, Adeline. Within a day, Adam was cleared as a suspect. He shouldn't have been. No shit. Jordan was the only suspect in the police's eyes. Police eyes? The police's eyes. That sounds weird, right? The police. <laughs> eyes. <laughs> and they only focused on him from the start. Jordan was housed in Edmund L. Thomas Adolescent Center, a juvenile detention center in Erie County, Pennsylvania. So he ended up being able to be moved to a juvenile. Oh, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so the juvie in Portland, they've been trying to get rid of it for like years now. Mm-hmm. And who's that girl from there right now? Who? Who's our governor right now? Isn't it like Janet Mills? Yeah, she vetoed it. Whoa. Like getting rid of it. But like, where would you? So, where would you put juveniles that are did something wrong? You can't no, house them like, with adults. I know that, but like they were gonna build a new one. They decided oh. not to oh, okay. because this one is like over twenty years old and it's horrible there. So, folks, my son thinks twenty years old is old. It is <laughs> to me. To Add you. twenty years on to me. You guys say you're old. I mean, like get like, closer to the thing. Anyways, you're like twenty six years older than me. Okay. 
So, Chris drove to the 230-mile round trip uh round trip trip every day to see Jordan. He would spend 4 hours on the road every day to be able to see him. I don't think you guys would do that. I would have if you didn't do it, absolutely. <laughs> well, if you guys didn't believe I didn't do it, but I didn't do it. Well, if we didn't believe you didn't do it, I'd have a reason to believe you didn't do it. We both know I'm a detective. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Not certified. Not certified. I'm certified in this house as a detective. Jordan told 2020 that the time he spent with his dad during those three years was a lifeline for him. Yes, he was in that place for three years. Awaiting trial. Awaiting trial? Yep, waiting trial. Jordan. Whoa. Yep, Chris would bring Jordan books. Uh, so he was able to read. Jordan being only 11, he would read the books and have a dictionary next to him. So when he was reading, and if he didn't know a word, he'd look up it up in the dictionary. Because yeah. he couldn't go up to a guard and be like, hey, can you help me with this word? It's too big. Yeah. How sad is that? It's horrible. It's just terrifying. Um, what I'm saying is this is this is hard on Jordan. Especially yeah. since the whole time his story never changed. He never admitted he did anything. And Chris, his dad, gave him lots of opportunities to tell him and admit it. If he did it, he would tell Jordan, like, accidents happen. Things yeah. happen. If just tell me, I love you. You're my son. I'm not going to ever stop loving you. Yeah. So, and he'd never change the story. His story always stayed the same. And as a kid, given enough time and coaxing, they'd either own up to it because they'd sick of lying. Or they'd have a story that basically tells what happened, but not, you know what I mean? Yeah, like... After no. so long, if he did it, he would have said it. Yeah. He could have took a polygraph test, even though... They're inadmissible. Yeah. ...in court. You could still take one. But from day one, the only story Jordan ever told was the one he said. I never did. Yeah, he didn't do this, and Kenzie was still alive when he left. And we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about the trial. And we're back to talk about the trial and finish this story out. Yay! So the reason the wait for the trial was so long, because the state wanted to try Jordan as an adult. Which is wrong. Well. He didn't do it, so but, but it is at the, wrong. But think about, the state thinks he did it and the police thinks he did it. Well, they should have gathered more evidence so for three we, years. Have you ever heard hindsight is twenty twenty? So when you're looking back on something, you can see it clearer. Yeah. So we're looking at this backwards. We know all the information. Everything's already happened. Oh, yeah. So we're. I'm looking at, I'm telling the story as we both know he didn't do it. Yeah. Cause we, he didn't. So we're biased when we're telling the story. Oh. I, I want to put it out there, too, that, yes, this woman got murdered. And it is sad. And we'll talk about it at the end, but. She's, there's still somebody that got murdered, but... They two, shouldn't have gone to his son, though. That's one thing. They shouldn't have gone right to her son. So, yeah. They wanted to try an 11-year-old for a double murder. The reason for not for it not moving for a while, because the judge said that Jordan would not admit to what he did. So he could not be rehabilitated. So, before we get going, or you ask a million questions. Yes, the judge wanted to... Have Jordan admit 
that he killed Kenzie in order to not be tried as an adult. It said that in the other podcast, too. I remember it because we were in the car on the way home. Yes. Sounds really weird. How on earth can you have a fair trial if you already admit to the court that you did this thing? And technically, it's against the Fifth Amendment to ask him to do this. Would you like to know what the Fifth Amendment is? Yeah. Okay. The Fifth Amendment of the Constitution protects a person from being compelled to incriminate oneself. Self-incrimination may also be referred to as self-crimination or self-incopulation. Basically, telling, like... You can't force him to They're telling him you have to plead guilty in order to get a better trial. But he refused. He said, absolutely not. I did not do this. In the end, they were able to get a new judge, and the trial did get moved to juvenile court. That's good. Well, the trial lasted for three days. The statements that got Jordan arrested in the first place made by Janessa were never used in court, and she never testified. It didn't matter because Jordan ended up being found delinquent in the case, which basically means he was guilty. So at 14 years old, Jordan Brown was convicted of double murder and sentenced to a juvenile facility until he was 21, I believe. He, his lawyers filed an appeal two months after his conviction, but it would take three and a half years before his appeal was heard. So he's like 17 and a half? Mm, so he's 14, but that's just when the appeal was heard. So I'll let you know when he gets out. Let's get into things the lawyers brought up in the appeal about why they were appealing this conviction. Wait, you said lawyers. Yeah. How many lawyers? Um, one or two. I don't know. They usually have a lawyer and then some another. Like, there's usually two oh. in a case like this. Oh, God. His hands were never swabbed for gunshot residue. But when they took his clothes, they found literally two particles of gunshot residue on his jacket and pants which he wore the jacket to the turkey shoot, and they had an expert that said that this could be transferred to his pants. Two particles. One on his shirt, one on his pants. Yeah. If you shot a gun, in my opinion, there would be a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. The prosecution could never say for sure it was Jordan's gun that was the murder weapon because the smell test was done by people who did not know what they were doing literally. The cop who did it had no knowledge of what he was doing and was not an expert in t- smell testing and had never learned how to smell test. So You have to learn how to smell test? Yep. If you're going to be a cop, you have to follow procedure with everything. You have to do classes for everything. So yeah, no. The guy that said he smelled it like it smelled like it had been shot had no authority to say that, yet it was used against him. So far, we have no gunshot residue on Jordan. No weapon that was of Jordan's that was used that they can prove that was used. That's not it. When gun when Jordan's gun was taken apart and checked for any blood or tissue, none was found at all. Not a tiny microscopic bit. There would have at least been like a tiny speck. Yeah. There should have been like at least one tiny speck. Yep, nothing. Not a single and like, thing. I don't think you can get Every single speck so, off. So, I didn't say it. this yet, but um, Kenzie was shot. The gun was put to her head for her to die. So, you you would have gotten it some. It was personal, that means. It well, was definitely personal if there yeah. was execution. 
If it was execution like that, yeah. it's personal. So, for someone to shoot someone in the head with a shotgun and have no blood at all anywhere would be nearly impossible. Also, Jordan's clothes and he did not have anything on him or his person. Wait, with a shotgun, doesn't every, like, don't the shells, like, break apart? Like, doesn't it's like it birch, go everywhere? Kind of, yeah. So, um, they had a expert come in and said that there would be minimal um, blowback when they shot because of the angle it was used at. But Jordan, as an 11-year-old, would not know how to do that. If it was, like, at an angle like It's this. a specific angle. Yeah. Yeah. So they couldn't determine, they also couldn't determine if the shotgun shells in the house were the ones used in the murder. So. Right. This is what Jordan's lawyer said. In order for Jordan to have been the murderer, this is what would have happened. Jordan was sitting with his stepsister, Janessa, in the room next to where Kenzie was sleeping. He would have to run upstairs, grab a shotgun, load it with shotgun shell that was in Kenzie's room... Walk over to the bed, place a shotgun up against her head, pull the trigger, kill her, somehow manage to wipe whatever bodily fluid or blood that might have been contained at the end of the gun and on him, take it upstairs, replace it along the wall, remove the shell, run downstairs while his sister presumably was waiting for him in this very small house without leaving a single clue. All that would have had to happen perfectly in 120 seconds. How many neighbors... They lived on a property where... I was about to say, like, even when there's, like, gunshots around here, you can hear them. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing. People would have heard that. Yeah. Well, she was shot. Like, I'm saying, like... Yeah. Jordan... The daughter would have heard it, and... But But remember, she said... She didn't. She said she did hear it later. Yeah, I know. Jordan was released in 2016 when he was 18 years old because, according to the court, he did everything he needed to do to be released. So he completed his rehabilitation. People, like, the country doesn't want to put kids in jail forever. Once they think that you're rehabilitated, you should be able to come back. So you go through this whole process, which he did. He learned to play guitar as well in jail. So he was out. He was free. Jordan could have moved on with his life and be labeled as a murderer. And that would have been end. He could have lived his life. What would you have done? I wouldn't have gone for it. I was like, I would have stayed in jail till they proved I was not the murderer. No, but he's out. He's free. He's done out of jail. Would you? He He's fighting now. So Yeah, I would have fought too. It's like simple. If you didn't do something, fight for your right. Jordan knew he didn't do the crime, and he knew that an injustice happened. He continued to fight for his freedom. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court reversed Jordan's conviction. The court determined that the evidence in the case against Jordan was insufficient to find him culpable of beyond a reasonable doubt. The lawyers, the reason they went after the Supreme Court for this appeal of the conviction is they wanted a new trial so they could prove that he didn't do it. But actually the court ended up throwing out the conviction altogether, which hardly ever happens. So there had to have been so much proof that they didn't have any proof. You know what I mean? That they threw it out completely? Yeah, he's cleared. He is fully vindicated. There is no new trial. The case is discharged and the verdict is overturned and he can never be tried again. Did he get like a settlement for being in jail that long and not? You're going to wait. 
During the interview of 2020, there was a special guest who had never talked to anyone before, and that was Adeline, Kenzie's youngest daughter, and the one who found her that day. Her story contradicts the police's timeline. She was only four at the time, so take this with a grain of salt. But she said that she remembers being woken up by the sound of a gunshot. She says, quote, I was so young, I did not know what the sound was. I was just going to wake him, going in to wake up my mom up and her phone rang, unquote. She says she remembers going to get her mom's phone and answering it. They asked for Kenzie, so she went to, into the downstairs bedroom to get her. Quote, I went in to wake her up and her face was facing me. I said, hey, mom, wake up. And I tried to turn her and that's when I realized what happened, unquote. So she says that after the kids left, basically, she was awoken by a loud gunshot. Is she the one that said that she sings? Oh, okay. She was only four. Oh, is the seven-year-old the one that thinks Jordan did it? Yeah. I don't know what she thinks now. Obviously, it's been a while, but she then went outside to talk to the tree trimmers, and that's when they called 911. The tree trimmer saw Adeline after nine o'clock in the morning. So if Adeline's account has any weight, the murder happened long after the kids left for school. The police, though, don't think Adeline counts and her say that what she says is not credible. This means they knew Adeline had a story and they never let anybody know about it. So Adeline, living with her grandparents, who adamantly believe Jordan is a murderer, still to this day, they think Jordan it got away with murder, basically. She lived with them, and she still says, no, I don't think he did it. I heard a gunshot after they left. That is horrible. Like, right. the grand. Well, that's not, but think about it. The grandparents lost their daughter. I know that, but they you think they would at least believe that they believe daughter. No, they believe the police. The police have the evidence. The police still believe Jordan did this as well. The police say they're not going to open the case because Jordan did us. Yeah. A small town in Pennsylvania with 700 people, they think they did a good job. Did they ever see if Adam ever owned any guns, and did they ever no. test any of them? No, they did nothing. Yeah, You should have immediately done that before you went to Jordan. Like, yeah. Not only has Jordan gotten his conviction overturned, he is also in the process of suing the police department for what happened to him. He says he doesn't want this to happen to anyone else. He is in college now. He's going. Like, he's trying to live his life, but he still realizes that. Kenzie's murder is still unsolved because he knows he didn't do it. Somebody else did. And they're never going to go open it again because they're convinced he did it. That's just horrible. Like, right? So what do you think about this story? Can you imagine being 11 years old, being no, charged with murder? But I know who did it. Well, he had snow in his truck and his, his dad said he didn't leave. That was good enough his for the police. His dad probably lied. Huh? And the snow on the truck, easily, if it snowed and he went there, and then it's continued snowing after he could have went home. No. Oh, also, I guess I didn't talk about this for some reason. I don't know why. The, um, I wrote it down. I don't know Wait, where it what was. what was the color of his truck? Black. Mm-hmm. So, remember how we talked about the shotgun shell they found? Yeah. And they, quote-unquote, said it was in pristine condition? Yeah. They had to dig it out of the ice and under, out of uh, under leaves. 
pristine condition. And it was a little bit rusty. The house, they had shotgun shells all over the yard because they both sh- would go shooting all the time. They shoot. There's shotgun shells all over the yard up there. Because like, that was from when Dustin and Nikki lived here. But but that's what I mean. Like, there were shotgun shells. And they they said that Jordan dropped it out of his pocket on the way to the bus. But the bus driver said he didn't drop anything out of his pocket. I watched them walk there the whole time. They left the house together and walked out. Yeah. The bus driver watched them walk from the house to the bus. He had seconds to commit a murder and have nobody hear it. It just clearly he didn't do it, but the police are convinced because they can't admit that he did something wrong. Yep. So that's crazy, right? Yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. Well, at least he's fighting for other people. Now, he says, this isn't going to happen to anybody else. Not on my watch. Yeah. Watch him become a police officer just to make sure this doesn't happen. No. He's he's going to college for computer science. He lives in Ohio now, I think. Thank you all for listening. Um, Don't forget to like us on all the social meds. Uh, Facebook and TikTok at the Macabre Family Podcast. Instagram is Macabre Family. Also, make sure to give us a rating on Spotify and Apple because you can do that on Spotify now. It actually helps us out a lot by getting us more traction and getting more people to see our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a wonderful weekend. I'm not sure what's coming next week. I will keep you updated. I think I'm going to do a paranormal thing. But I got to consult with my paranormal companion. Is that me? <laughs> it's either you or Kirsten. If I do a weird enough one, Kirsten will do it with me. (laughs) And as always, stay spooky. Hasta la vista. Bye. Bye.